You're listening to the Glenn Barrett Leadership Podcast. We know this will be an incredible resource for your life, so stay focused, listen up, and thanks for joining us. Hi, everybody. Welcome to this two-part podcast. We are today going to start looking at the Bible word prosper. What does it mean to prosper? What does it mean when God speaks about you and I prospering? We in this podcast and also in the second part of this podcast, part two, we are going to be looking at lots of different verses in the Bible, but it's pretty clear that when you read the Old and the New Testament, that God's plan is that we would prosper. Of course, Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11 says this, God says, for I know the plans I have for you. He goes on and says, plans to prosper you. When we jump into 3 John chapter 2, we read these words, I pray that you prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. The Greek word prosper is the word euodao, which means to help on one's way, or if you like, to have a prosperous journey. So we're now not really talking about a prosperity gospel and maybe the criticism that goes along with that, but we do want to look at the idea that God's plan is to prosper us, you Dow, to help on one's way to have a prosperous journey. My first thought for you is this today, is that prosperity is first and foremost not about money. You see, prosperity does not necessarily mean that you are rich because it is possible to be rich, but not prosperous. You really don't need God to be rich. You've just got to really follow his principles. In fact, there are six really clear principles that scripture speaks about that really aids you becoming a wealthy person. Let's have a look at these really quickly. The first thing is you got to be diligent. In Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4, it says, Lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. A, a second godly principle that brings wealth is, secondly, work hard. Proverbs 6, verse 6, Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. A third godly principle for being rich is being trustworthy. Luke chapter 6, verse 11, if you're not trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, then who will trust you with true riches? Fourth principle is being generous. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 9, the generous will be blessed. They share their food with the poor. Fifth principle for being rich is being faithful. Luke chapter 6, verse 10, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with a lot. And the seventh principle is being an expert. Proverbs 22, 29. Do you see someone skilled in their work? They will serve before kings. They will not serve before officials of low rank. So when it comes to prosperity, it's important to know, firstly, that it's not primarily about money. And I would encourage you right now, don't envy the rich, but understand God's way. In Psalm 73, the psalmist says, I envied the wicked 
until I saw their end. And sometimes we can see the rich that would automatically, in some senses, fall into the category of the wicked. And let's not get so envious of the now that we take our eyes off eternity. The reality is this, is that the rich may have a lot of money, but don't always have success in life. Because all too often, the things that make a person rich also destroys family, destroys health, destroys mental health, etc. So when we think about the Bible word of prosperity, we've got to understand that first and foremost, it's not about money. In Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22, it says this, the blessing of the Lord makes rich, but he adds no sorrow to it. So richness is not just about money. He wants us to be rich in our marriages. He wants us to be rich in family. He wants us to be rich in ministry, in leadership and relationship, and it adds no sorrow. So prosperity is not first and foremost about money. And I think whenever a Christian speaks of prosperity, we naturally think money, but it's not always the case. The second thing I want you to realize when it comes to prosperity, the word prosper is this is that a poverty spirit will hold you back from embracing what the Bible speaks about in Jeremiah 29 verse 11, plans to prosper you. And I want to encourage you that today is not the day for you to have a poverty mindset. Let me give you nine examples or nine signs of a poverty mindset. The first is this, is that your instant response to opportunity is, I haven't got enough money. If your first response to any opportunity is not having enough money, that is a really good sign that you have a poverty mindset. I really believe that when opportunities are presented to us, rather than thinking about money first and how we can afford it, really we should be praying the prayer, Lord, if it is your will then make it possible. The second sign of a poverty mindset is when the opportunity to bless someone becomes an opportunity to gain for yourself. Let me give you an example. Uh, About two years ago or so, I bought some tickets for a major band that were coming into our city to play in the big arena. And I bought the tickets for my wife and I, and also for some friends. As the event came closer, I realized that sadly, I double booked. And also my friends that I'd bought the tickets for realized that they couldn't make this concert either. I began to think about how much money I could make in selling those tickets on a ticket exchange website. And then I was reminded once again, that when the opportunity to bless someone else becomes first and foremost an opportunity to gain, then I have got the poverty mindset. So rather than selling the tickets, I looked to who I knew who liked that particular style of music, liked that band, and took the opportunity to become someone who would bless another and not gain from it. The third sign of a poverty spirit is when money and how to get it becomes your number one thought. 
When money is your number one thought, the first thing you think about in the morning, the last thing you think about at night, you know that poverty mindset is running through your thinking. Because really, as a follower of Jesus Christ, we should center our lives not on money and how much we can get, but truly on what it means to live for the Lord. The fourth sign of a poverty mindset is when tithing becomes an option and tipping is a reality. What do I mean by that? Well, it's customary in a restaurant or in a cafe when you've had good service to give a waiter, a waitress, somebody serving you 10%. So if your bill comes to 30 pounds, then you may think about putting three pounds or five pounds on the table to be a tip for good service. It's really interesting because when we read the scriptures and we read about the concept of tithing, we see that the tithe was introduced before the Old Testament law and even carries through into the gospel of Matthew, where Jesus says we should tithe as well as practice justice, mercy, and faithfulness. I think the challenge is this, is that when tithing becomes an optional, and yet we maintain the idea of tipping in restaurants, etc., etc., we have allowed a poverty mindset to grip us. Tithing really is almost, in some senses, like the tip, 10%. In fact, the book of Malachi says that we should return to God that which is already his. And so our tithe is not ours. The Bible says the tithe is holy. It belongs to God. And I'm always interested when I meet Christians who won't tithe, but they will tip in a restaurant. The fifth sign of a poverty mindset is when you struggle to remember the last time you were extravagantly generous. When did you last bless somebody in such a way that when you left that moment of blessing them, being generous, when you put your head on the pillow at night, you had a moment of thinking, wow, I was so crazy generous today. I think when you struggle to remember those moments, you know that a poverty mindset is trying to grip your soul. The sixth sign of a poverty mindset is when conversation is tainted with fear as opposed to faith. Fear is something that restricts. Faith is something that enlarges. And the reality is this, is that the currency of heaven is faith. Some years ago, I went to Scandinavia. I went to Norway and my pickup at the airport was running late. And so I just thought I would go to the coffee shop in the airport and buy myself a coffee. I went to the counter. I ordered an Americano, no sugar, no milk. And when the lady gave me the coffee, I put the currency, krona, on the counter and went to take the coffee away from the table. As I grabbed the coffee, she grabbed the coffee and pulled it towards her. I pulled it towards me. She pulled it towards her. And we had this merry, awkward dance. I looked at the krona, the currency on the counter. She looked at the krona, the currency on the counter, and looked at me. I looked at her. I looked at the coffee. And it was awkward. It, it felt like it was this 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 awkwardness was, was going on for, for hours, but probably only five or 10 seconds. 
And when I realized that this lady was not going to let me have the coffee, I looked at her with pleading eyes and she explained this to me. She said, sir, you are in Norway where our currency is krona. But you also need to know that Sweden has a currency called krona. And what you have done is you have put Swedish currency on the table here in Norway. You're paying with the wrong currency. And she made this comment. She said, if you change the currency, you'll have a transaction. When we think about faith, faith is the currency of heaven. The Bible's very clear that we, uh, it's impossible to please God unless we do it with faith. And I think we know that we have the poverty mindset when our conversations are filled more with fear speech, speech that restricts as opposed to faith speech, speech that enlarges. The seventh sign of a poverty mindset is that we renege on financial commitments and promises. Let me ask you this question. Have you made a financial commitment? Have you made a financial promise? Do you find yourself not fulfilling those commitments and promises regularly? If you find yourself reneging on those commitments, then maybe a poverty mindset is trying to pull you down. The eighth sign of a poverty mindset is that you spend what you have on luxuries without having a plan for saving. And of course, one of the ways that we get into debt is that when we buy luxuries now, but make no plans for a future season. And that's a challenge. The ninth sign of a poverty mindset is that you are more generous with other people's money than with your own money. I've certainly seen it in business where people are happy to freely spend the company's, the business money, but when it comes to their own personal expenditure, their own personal generosity, it's non-existent. And it is a sign of the poverty mindset. The poverty mindset is really an identity issue. It's a question that says, who are you? And I think that as a follower of Jesus Christ, it's really important to know who you are. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Colossians chapter 3, verse 3, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Which brings me to this thought that our identity is not found in what we possess, but it is found in who possesses us. I think it's so important that we fight with every fiber of our being this poverty mindset. Because the poverty mindset will restrict us, it will encapsulate us, it will be like a jailer at a gate, keeping us in a prison cell, that we should fight this poverty mindset with everything that we have. I remember in a previous city that we lived in, my wife and I had an incredible miracle of being able to buy what was a really amazing house for us. And every time we had visitors to the house, I 
found myself explaining away the miracle, almost embarrassed that we had this particular house, embarrassed that we lived here in this particular street and we had this type of accommodation. And every time people say, wow, you got a lovely house, I would explain away the phenomenal miracle that had taken place, which had enabled us to purchase this house. And I remember one particular day as I was waving away our guests, having explained away the miracle of this brilliant house, I remember God saying to me, can't I just bless you, son, because I love you? And really for me, what had taken place was this, was that a poverty mindset was really beginning to restrict me and it was made evident in the way I spoke. So let me ask you this, do you have any of those signs of the poverty spirit in your life right now? Maybe now's the time to rise up in faith and make a decision. The poverty mindset will not hold me back from embracing what God has for my life. So the first thing about prosperity is this, is that prosperity is first and foremost not about money. Secondly, a poverty spirit will hold you back from embracing the miracles of Jeremiah 29 verse 11. God has plans to prosper you. The third thing about prosperity that I believe is really, really important is this, is that prosperity is available to you. I mean, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. So let me give you some thoughts on this prosperity. What does it look like? What does prosperity actually look like? Towards the end of this podcast, we'll, we'll cut it off and we'll go into part two because I want to give you 10, 10 things about prosperity that I believe is key. Number one, the first thing is God wants to prosper you. God wants to prosper you. Remember, it's first and foremost not about money. But I believe that we should have the conviction that God wants to prosper us. Let, let me read you some Bible verses on this. Psalm 4, 6. Many are saying to the Lord, who will bring us prosperity? Let the light of your face, Lord, shine upon us. Zechariah chapter 1, 17. Proclaim further. This is what the Lord Almighty says. My towns will again overflow with prosperity and the Lord will again comfort Zion and choose Jerusalem. I believe that we should be absolutely 100% convinced of this, that God wants to prosper us. Listen, my friend, God wants to prosper you. And when you remember what I said at the beginning, that it's first and foremost, not about money, then it is amazing how you begin to see more and more the touch of God, the prosperity of God in your life. Do you remember how we defined prosperity? It's the Greek word euodao, which means to help on one's way. 
And right now, God is already helping you on your way in ways that maybe you have not even recognized or even considered. But when you look at your friends, your family, your church, the opportunities, the country that you live in, the rights that support you as a human, it is amazing you begin to realize, wow, God, you do want to prosper me. Recently, a friend was walking through a a challenging season. And this challenging season was elongated. It had taken place over many, many years and many, many months. And at a particular bleak moment and season in his life, he made this comment to me. He said, you know what happens is over the course of time and with disappointment, we just begin to believe just a little less. We believe just a little less than yesterday, a little less than last week and last month and last year to a point where no longer do we believe. But hear this, my friend, God wants to prosper you. God wants to prosper you. My second thought on prosperity is this, is that prosperity is your choice. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15, it says, See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. Now choose life. And I believe that on a daily basis, we have a choice to make. We have a choice to make in every season, in every crossroads, in every challenge, in every success, in every failure. We have a choice to make. Am I engaging with thinking, speech, and activity that is prosperous or not? It's a great question to ask. Ask yourself right now, am I living with prosperity? Am I a prosperous person? If I was to come to your house for a meal, you invite my wife and I over and you find out that we love steak and we love vegetables and you've prepared this amazing dessert, banoffee pie, my favorite. And you invite us over to your house and when we get to the door of your house, you greet us and we bring flowers and chocolate. And when we come into your house, imagine this scenario with me. The first thing you do is you say to me, hey, Glenn, come with me. And you take me to your utility room, your laundry room, or your laundry basket in your bedroom. And what you do is you take the lid off your dirty laundry basket and you hold the dirty old clothes that need washing. You hold it up to my nose and you say, here, Glenn, smell this. Now, hopefully that imagery right now is confronting and you went, oh, that's terrible. But the reason I say that is because in English, we have a phrase, a saying that's called this, airing your dirty laundry. And I think that sometimes in moments of challenge, in moments of weakness, that we can become guilty of airing our dirty laundry. What do I mean by that? I mean that we begin to speak negatively. We begin to speak critically. We begin to act and live and speak in a way that is pulling people down and, and, and being negative about leadership and negative about our government and negative about our country. And before long, everything about our voice, everything about our blogging and our social media becomes one that is not 
prosperous. It, it's not life-giving. It's not really helping us on our way or helping another individual on their way. I believe that when you are up against it, that you have to make a choice. Am I speaking uh, in a prosperous way? Am I thinking in a prosperous way? Am I living? Am I tweeting? Am I social mediaing? Am I blogging in a way that is blessing other people? Because prosperity is your choice. Well, thanks for joining us in today's podcast, folks. And part one of two, really discovering what the Bible is speaking about when it speaks about prosperity. See you next time. Thank you for listening to this Glenn Barrett Leadership Podcast. For more information, visit us online at audaciouschurch.com.